Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to Bug Eyes Rock Pop Rambles, your weekly fix of stories from the world of music. Each week we take a story, an artist, a theme or a thing or something random and tell you lots of facts and anecdotes that sort of tickle our fancy. So we things that we basically find interesting. Um, in short, we do all the readings so you don't have to. Um, and these are facts that you can then take down the pub and claim them as your own in your sort of outdoor gathering of, of six or whatever the, the rules are now. And, uh, you know, be the, the musical font of knowledge. I'm your host Angela Martin from the Bad Bug Eye and just like Batman I've got a trusted sidekick with me this week. She's small, she's ginger, she plays bass. She's also in Bug Eye. It's Paula Festive Snow. Indeed it is Paula Festive Snow. Why did you choose Batman and Robin though? Is there nothing else you could have gone for? I don't know it was the first the first thing. Now I'm racking my brain. I'm coming up with Laurel and Hardy, and that's not great either. Although, Laurel Hardy, I don't think you win with either of those those scenarios. Nice standing tashes, though. Yeah, but would you be the original Batman Robin or the the kind of new bulked up? Oh no, like the the 1950s ones. Yeah, yeah, 1950s. Yeah, those. Because I kind of want to have. I'd like that in everyday language to just be able to sort of have little speech bubbles and things like pow and things. Could be cool. Out. Lichtenstein style mm-hmm. Yeah, that would yeah. be really cool. Um, so this week we're talking about pirate radio station, Radio Caroline, which there's obviously a film. Well, I say obviously, you might not know that. I there was did a, not. <laughs> there was a film that was made. In my research, I did not find that out. <laughs> this, this is starting well. You can tell how far oh, we've Lordy. researched this. But yeah, the, the film was called The Boat That Rocks and it was kind of loosely, like really, really loosely based on um, on Radio Caroline. Oh, you see, so I'm just going for the cold, hard facts here, yeah. not the loose bases. No, 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 exactly. We've got a lot of, we've got a lot of good facts mm-hmm. here. So we're talking radio, so it's only fitting that our guest this week is from the world of radio. So ladies and gentlemen and people, please welcome dun, 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 Charlie Ashcroft from Amazing Radio. Hello. How are you Hi. doing? Hi, how are you? Yeah, well, good. <laughs> How are you just just sort of sat there thinking, oh my god, what have I agreed to be on? <laughs> this terrible like, show. For a minute, I'm like, for a minute, I'm just sort of peering around the door to see what's going on, and now I've fully entered the room. So very kind of you to have me. Like, <laughs> and you're wondering how you can mute us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, when is this over? When is it over? <laughs> I gave up my Tuesday evening. <laughs> but also on the show tonight, we've got some new music. We've got benefits with their new single and um cat ryan and feral five songs to to play but first of all i thought we'd have a little little chat with charlie boy here so uh you know thank you for for joining us and you know the world of radio has been something that's featured quite in a big way throughout your life hasn't it so you started out in student radio is that right yes i did yeah um that was where i felt 
I suppose that was the, the way where you could sort of cut your teeth for, for your first experience of radio. I'd always loved radio growing up. We'd always had radio on in the house. Obviously, my parents had records and CDs and tapes and everything else, but the radio was often on. And I'd always liked, you know, sharing stuff with people, making, you know, mixed tapes and CDs and sort of always just just finding stuff that I wanted to share with people and then when it got to I went to Bristol Uni and, and there was a station there called Burst which there still is um, and it was the kind of one I suppose uni society or sort of extracurricular activity that I was really interested in because when you go to a uni and you find yeah. there's a radio station there you think well actually I'd quite like to have a crack at that um, yeah and so I was there yeah I was there in Bristol for for, I did sort of three years on, on Burst and you're, you're obviously broadcasting to a handful of your mates and maybe a few people who happened to be in the student union at the time to actually listen in. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed it. It was nice having a little platform for an hour and a half or two hours every, I think I was on every Sunday night uh, during term time. And it was just a great opportunity to have creative license to share stuff I'd found locally, you know, bands around Bristol, but also you know, you start at that point, we're talking kind of mid mid to late noughties. So there was, you know, there's probably an increasing amount of like music blogs who are yeah. finding stuff that you obviously wanted to share on the radio mm-hmm. as well. These bands and artists who might not have like specific campaigns going on, yeah. but you just wanted to share stuff. And so, um, so yeah, that was my first, my first taste of, of, of radio. Like a lot of people who end up in radio was, was via via the student via a student audience of about you know a dozen people and, and their pets That's so what what was your show called did you have a name for it i did uh, the show was called low slung low slung and did you have a dj name did you have like a no no name? just me it was, you know, I, I, it was low slung with charlie ashcroft i had a sidekick in my final year uh, a friend of mine called paul who, who joined me and it became low slung with charlie and paulie um, I think when I first got into it, I was still probably had a bit of a teenage, well, I still was a teenager, obviously I'd started at uni, but like I, I, a teenage uh, hangover of being into a lot of, I guess, punk and scar and emo. And I had the image of like low mm-hmm. slung jeans, but that also lended itself to sort of new hip hop stuff. Mm-hmm. And I suppose at that point, the show was a bit of a mix of styles and genres, but then you're also dealing with like 2004, five. There was so many great indie bands coming through as well. Um, so it was a big mix of everything. Um, and so I just kept the low slung name just because it was short and catchy and just gave us, you know, a name that was, I suppose, not just my name. So it was, uh, yeah, it was yeah. something that stuck. And were you given like complete, I don't know what the right word is, creativity or license to play whatever you wanted? Yeah, because on that, even even I think even the student stations um, try and operate in a, you know, sort of semi-professional sort of radio station way. Mm-hmm. In the daytime, yeah. they will have a playlist of songs that, you know, they, they let their, either their presenters pick from or that they just have in rotation when there aren't any shows actually voicing, voicing links or anything like that. Um, but of an evening, you can kind of, you get the sort of more specialist programming, if you can call it that, and, and you've got people who if they want to bring stuff with them and play it they, they can and so yeah I had sort of full full control over what what we played who we interviewed and sometimes that would be bands who were passing through before a gig or you know you pre-record stuff with 
people with touring bands who might not maybe get, I guess, an interview or some press coverage yeah. in that city, but they know that Bristol Student Station might give them some time. So um, they were always grateful, I suppose, to have that opportunity. They might have been playing a gig downstairs in the Student Union and we'd be upstairs on the fifth floor, you know, as the station that they could pop into for 15, 20 minutes. So it was a good good atmosphere, good environment, good bunch of people who really liked music and really liked radio. I think a good hard-working yeah. bunch who would have preferred to have been there seven days a week rather than doing their degree. <laughs> but, um, it was nice. It was, it was a nice, nice to have that freedom if you, if you wanted it. And if you were struggling in one week, there were just loads of songs preloaded onto the station's computers from the, you know, the new batch of stuff they'd been sent, um, which, which you could play if you, if you want, if there was a song you like, you could just delve into yeah. the database. It was really, really good. Nice. And you, you did quite an intelligent course at uni, didn't you? You did something. Yeah, I did languages. I did, did French and Italian, um, which was kind of stemmed from, um, I'd, I'd had brilliant, brilliant French teachers at school and I'd always liked going to France and been able to speak a bit and I wanted to get a bit better. Um, and the opportunity to go and live and study in both France and Italy mm -hmm. just obviously appealed to me. And so I did, as part of my course, I did... I think five months down in Bordeaux and five months over in Verona and, and had a great time, but also got better at the languages. And by the time you could finish uni, you feel like, okay, you could happily go and, you know, live or sort of try and, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, go and work in, in these places if you really wanted to. And I felt it opened up some good avenues. Um, and obviously it's a, as part of the scheme, the Erasmus scheme, it was a student exchange program. So they send students over to the UK yeah. Um, we would go and live there with you know a student grant and and go to their unis and I've, whether that scheme still exists you know post brexit i i don't know i i for me it was an amazing experience made loads of friends from all over the all over the world all over yeah. europe um and it feels like a shame that that's at risk because of the situation we put ourselves into but at, at that time yeah the, the world felt like it was my oyster it was amazing yeah, you can imagine that after Brexit, the Conservatives' version of that will be we'll we'll send we'll send them um, people to East London to to learn some Hackney Hackney kind of speak Cockney, but I'm in slang, and uh, <laughs> up yeah. to Glasgow to learn a bit of Scots maybe. Yes. <laughs> no, I agree though. It'd be a shame if that yeah, kind no. of opportunity was to be taken away. I mean, I didn't do one personally, but I can imagine that it's it's amazing. It's like when else in your life are you going to have that? kind of time to do that sort of thing yeah it was like Julia did um German and mm -hmm. she went over to Germany like the exchange and you know she said it was absolutely amazing so it'd just be such a shame for for people to miss out on not just that on like so many amazing things that being part of Europe gave us yeah. but um hopefully we're not going to lose everything no please don't oh yeah let's let's hope for that but anyway um back to charlie back to charlie so, sorry yes. I, I, yeah I, I shouldn't have turned it political so no, soon you could turn, no, no, we no. get we all oh, we're getting political Go in this for it, today don't worry. so I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that there's there's some there's some politics in today's show um so you joined amazing radio back in 2009 when it launched what drew you to the station sort of what was it like back then um it was strange actually i was still living in bristol after my degree finished um and we had a DAB radio in the flat and at that point um, 
I think we it was quite a new it was a, it was in like we had a new radio and so I was just flicking through to see what other channels I could find one afternoon and um I came across this this station uh without really even looking at the name but I didn't recognize the song and I was like okay that's interesting it was kind of like a kind of not heavy but like you know there were guitars and it was sort of a little mm. bit lo-fi and it felt felt different to what you would hear on daytime radio and so I just I left it playing in the background, went and did some washing up or you know, went and made a cup of tea or something. And then I realised I'd kind of left it on for about four or five songs. And um, then finally I heard like an ident on the station. It was called Amazing Radio. I was like, oh, I've never heard of this before. And this was obviously just a new name for me. So I looked them mm -hmm. up online. That was quite a basic website. And um, I found out that it was a station playing, you know, new music that people could submit on this uploader, which, as as, as you well know, is, is you know, pop, the sort of driving force of anything you hear mm -hmm. on Amazing mm -hmm. even now is, is submitted by the by the bands themselves or by the you know the PR people or the radio pluggers or the labels who are representing them. Mm -hmm. um, and I just thought well, this is great. I might just see if there's an email address and, and give them a shout at this point because. Um, I was still trying to carry on my sort of student radio vibe after I'd finished at Bristol. I, I'd done a, I'd launched a podcast about, you know, just playing unsigned bands that again were on my radar, like 20, 25 minutes an episode, like maybe five or six songs. Yeah. And I basically just sent the station's founder, um, Paul Campbell. I sent him a link to my podcast and then did a sort of a couple of dummy links that I imagined me on amazing, you know, presenting some of the songs that I'd heard because at this point there weren't any voices on the station there it was just literally back-to-back -back music oh really I never um, knew that yeah so at that oh. point when it launched in 2009 and I think it was June 2009 for the first six months it was they occasionally had people voicing stuff and they had a few you know trails for explaining what amazing was but they didn't actually have any specific shows um and so I kind of got in touch with them at a an opportune moment because then they uh, started hiring some presenters towards the end of the year and we all started those of us who started started in January 2010 so it was um yeah it was very it was very much a you know it's sort of a DIY ethos they were literally just streaming music from amazing tunes off a, a tiny kind of USB flash drive thing <laughs> broadcasting on national DAB at that time so it was, wow. you know it was it was a it was a big platform for a for a big idea if you know what I mean yeah so, they were um, dreaming big hey and then yeah gradually they started filling up the schedule with with presenters and so I yeah. started the audition show or started my stint on the audition show in, in January 2010 and here we are now you know nearly 11 years later it's still still going um so it's it's changed a lot, but it's always had that that ethos. Stations just really grown though, isn't it? Because they did they they buy a station in the US and they're or or did they partner or they they're doing something something in the US? I think yeah. Re I the recent developments with Amazing are um, so Paul, who I've mentioned, he's sort of been I think always trying to grow it stateside, um, knowing there'd be some certain kind of key cities to try and target over in the states. Um, but the opportunity arose um, to do a bit of fundraising and, and with that acquire the CMJ brand. So CMJ, right, yeah, you know, most recently, um, I can't remember when it's most recent uh, fest, you know, it's sort of multi-venue festival in, in New York. Oh, it must've been three or four years ago, but then fell on hard times. Um, 
And so Paul has sort of brought CMJ under the Amazing Radio umbrella, added a few American presenters to launch an American stream of Amazing Radio. Um, and I think now when you upload music, you know, it tries to work out where you are and says, you know, you might be more tailored to Amazing Radio US or maybe you just want to submit to both. We're yeah. also doing sort of live sessions under the CMJ banner in this world of, you know, virtual festivals and and live streams from home so they're trying to recreate that that sort of cmj live platform with with an amazing radio tie-in and so some of the sessions people record that go out as part of the amazing sessions some of those are also getting aired under the sort of cmj music marathon that we tried to do back in in october and it's um, it's had a good response so far and it's nice to start to see it growing on, on that side of the atlantic as well that's that's cool. really it's really, it's cool. really cool station and it's just exciting to, to follow Paul. So mm-hmm. so yeah, that's how I knew about that news and just uh, yeah, it's just it's just really exciting to see where where they go next, I suppose. Um, but if that wasn't big enough for you, being like superstar DJ on Amazing Radio, you're also head of music and entertainment at VOD for BT. How did that happen? <laughs> I didn't mean that in like a surprise thing, but it's like, when have you found the time to do that as well? How could you well, do that? Well, I suppose, that? yeah, I mean, when my, my, I left Amazing, as I left my full-time role at Amazing uh, in 2014. Um, obviously, I still do a show for them, but um, I was, for the first few years, or the first, yeah, from those first nearly five years at Amazing, as well as doing the audition show, I was producing other shows, and basically being their London presence. And we had lots of presenters who'd come and record shows and content and interviews and stuff in London. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, main HQ is up in the Northeast in Gateshead. Um, and I started, um, I, th- I think I, I wanted a little bit of a change of scene. I didn't want to necessarily leave radio behind, but I just was, was looking around a little bit in terms of other opportunities that might be out there. And BTTV, um you know sort of bt's tv offering uh that you get as sort of an offshoot if you have bt broadband you can add a set top box to your home and get loads of entertainment content loads of channels bt tv's had an on-demand uh, music service um for a little while now but, um there was a, a job going for um you know for for a role in their in their music scheduling team um and i was interested by that because it sounded like an interesting sort of way of trying to present music videos on demand without being YouTube, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So obviously yeah, you're in someone's yeah. set-top box at home. You haven't got access to absolutely every video ever, but you can kind of carefully curate a sort of an on-demand platform um, where people can choose what videos they want to watch based on what you've actually put on the ch- channel. So obviously there's a lot of like stuff that would get in the charts you're kind of catering for the average kind of guess the bt subscribing family so you've got a lot of like commercial stuff but it felt like there was a little bit of room for growing that anyway so i i I went for this music scheduler role and um you know actually getting the videos to to go on on the set top box and then i had a call from my the hiring manager just before um just before i was kind of about to say yes and sort of sign on the dotted line and um, and she told me that the existing head of music had actually not signed a new contract and was leaving the company. And would I be interested in heading up BT TV music? That's amazing. And kind of curating that. And so I was like, well, of course, you know, I'd be I'd be more than happy to sort <laughs> of step in and have off. a bit more responsibility. Um, 
and so yeah so since then yeah I've as well as doing music the role has sort of changed and evolved so I'm now as well as being overseeing the the sort of music videos that are added there I also look after a team who schedule other entertainment content so like yeah. catch-up tv box sets mm -hmm. kids stuff um just a whole mix of SVOD and you know on-demand yeah. content for for BTTV so it's a, it's a fun it's a fun mix of stuff but it kind of keeps it, it's nice to sort of have that sort of I suppose the toe in the water of of music TV as well because yeah. you get a lot of people I guess who can't necessarily get their videos on some of the mainstream video channels um, mm -hmm. who aren't necessarily as widespread as they used to be you know back in back in the day um so I think we're a nice outlet and I suppose because I've got my amazing hat on some of the time and my BT hat on some of the time mm -hmm. sometimes a little yeah. bit of a crossover in terms of videos that hit the channel that I might have also played the song on amazing and stuff so it's nice nice to have that because you're also a writer and before we were told we weren't allowed to go to gigs and do anything you you ran you ran live nights as well didn't you you put bands on in uh, East London? Yes, yeah, yeah, I've got a club night called Somebody Told Me. Obviously, it alluded to the mid-noughties indie scene <laughs> that <laughs> permeated my uni days. And um, I, I try to recreate some of that up near where I live in, in northwest London, um, just out in the suburbs in Harrow. And then um, it got to the point of, I think, a couple of summers ago where it just felt like the right time to try and do not just a club night of me playing three hours of indie music it'd be nice to do mm -hmm. a gig as well um and so we brought it to yeah to workhouse in brick lane um and put a couple of gigs on there then was kind of ready to take it I, i'd sort of partnered up with the guys at killing moon and we were going to take it over to um colors in hoxton we had a couple mm -hmm. of lineups booked yeah. in and then obviously the pandemic hit and everything got postponed to october and then obviously everything got postponed again so we'll try and start from scratch um yeah in the hopefully not too distant future but for now um i tried my first sort of online one the other week just with mm -hmm. mixola just like playing music and chatting a little bit and, and that was quite fun but yeah it's hard to it's hard to quite envisage when the kind of gig and club night yeah. combo is going to come back you know um, or even yeah. like at least in the context that it was previously i mean i think that there might be some maneuver like maneuver room for live music but i don't know about that kind of dense sort of atmosphere with a mm. hundred people in the same room i can't oh, it's mind-blowing no i know i know I, I just can't see anything sort of starting up properly until summer and mm. then even then it's uh i think by know. the winter it'll be again well, not to be pessimistic. Hopefully not, Paula. Vaccine and all that, but who knows when 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 we'll we'll get it. But uh, and if it actually works, but uh, yeah, we until then we'll support live music <laughs> from afar. <laughs> but but going back to Amazing Radio, your show audition is pretty much on every band's kind of hit list as a wish list, as if they want to be on your show. The amount of times I get hit up with messages from people saying vote for my track we're on mm -hmm. amazing radio yeah. this week it's like oh god who do i pick there's like four bands that i know that are on this week i was week. gonna say in the, the weeks oh, when there's dear. three bands that you know and you're mates i know the boys, like, i know Ugh. i know but like tiger mimic so some of the bands we've played on this show have been on amazing so tiger mm -hmm. mimic weekend recovery um cat ryan i think who we're playing today as well has also been been on there you've um crosswise i could keep going on with the list but so many great bands in in short 
we just listen to your show and then steal the bands that you've picked and then play them on our show. That's so thanks for do. helping us out. But that's but fine. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. Because it's often, you know, it, just because they come through the amazing radio door, you then hope that they go through other doors as well. You know, we're, we're yeah, not always yeah. the first, you know, I suppose first sort of on their on their hit list. But if we are, then hopefully we we sort of help help them spread the words. And it's always been that it goes back to that to the sort of teenage me, I suppose, just wanting to share stuff with people or you know, just always being able to recommend something if you if you're asked by me, oh, what should I listen to today? You know, it's one of those things. Having the platform, I feel so lucky to be able to play. 30 songs a week you know that from from that side of things you always think well there might be maybe if half of them are aware of it and sort of tweet about it or whatever then then you've 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 obviously you've done your job and you've you've helped their you've helped their story and you've helped their momentum a little bit so um yeah so I love doing it and it's yeah it's a show that I'll always be fond of the audition show you know whatever the future holds you know I don't want to go anywhere soon but as long as amazing want me I'll, I'll always I'll always do it. And it's nice. It's nice to get the listeners involved as well. You know, that for people who don't know the format, it, there's a voting poll, as, as Angela just said, you know, with countless bands who obviously want votes. And you sometimes feel a bit bad for setting up this sort of battle of the bands kind of vibe. But at the same time, if they win the vote, they get more airplay on Amazing the following week. And, and you know, it's just not, yeah, it's, it's, you always hope you're just helping your, your staff age of that of that journey you're helping them helping them spread the word no it's exactly it's very well respected i don't think people even really view it like a kind of battle of the bands i mean that that, that the voting bit obviously it is because you're competing to get that extra airplay but you know if people take it in good spirits right. i'm part of this kind of chat group with loads of bands and uh some of them are featured on you know the same week and it's all, it's, you know, it's all taken in very good, good spirit of, you know, oh, well done, mate, for winning. Maybe it'll be us next time. And, you know, it's and people just voting for each other. It's but, it's really nice. But I think that's also part of the whole sort of DIY scene of people supporting each other and trying to look out for each other's bands. So, you know, even yeah. if it's not you that week, there'll be other opportunities. There's space for us all at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you've been doing it for almost 11 years. Are there some bands that you can you can fly the flag saying, I played them before they were like massively famous. <laughs> um, there's there's a few, I suppose. If you look back, I mean, if you look back at the early days of Amazing, we played. I was I'd say we because it wasn't. It's not just me, you know. By the time if a band back then, especially if a band uploaded, a lot of the presenters would jump on it and be like, "Oh, this is this is a great song on the uploader. It's yeah. got to go on the show." But, um, so we played very early demos by Alt J when they were called Films. They were called Films, which is a very oh, ungoogleable name. I didn't um, know that. Then they rebranded to just this band represented by a triangle, which you couldn't even type on a keyboard. And then obviously mm-hmm. they then revealed that you could get the triangle on a Mac by doing Alt J or some. There was some way of creating a triangle with some kind of keyboard wizardry that involved pressing alt and j anyway <laughs> so we, we played them um i always cite the churches example we played churches before there was a v in their name when they were just churches um <laughs> spelt properly um we played daughter when it was just eleanor tonra solo uh, her oh, first couple wow. of eps before the sound kind of fleshed out a little bit um and it was always, I guess, through knowing 
people and through spreading the word about amazing you'd find people doing other jobs in music you get chatting to them at gigs or festivals yeah. or, or industry seminars or something and you'd explain what amazing was and either they'd be sort of quietly managing a kind of a new talent or a local talent on the side in addition to their main music role they'd be like oh actually it'd be quite nice to road test I'd just say use daughter as an example so her manager Matt uh, runs Stay Loose PR um, and has now gone on to sort of manage her you know them as a band and and you know and other artists um yeah. but has still never given up the kind of pr side of things but at the time i just knew him through him being a press pr and then he said well actually we'll upload some tracks and, and see how they go and obviously they were they were amazing you know her voice was incredible mm. and back then it's just kind of harsh brutal sort of folk music that then expanded into this sort of bigger expansive sort of shoegaze tinged mm. noise which was amazing and you know those first couple of daughter albums were, were just insanely good so yeah I mean there's been there's been loads um and then more recently I suppose yeah early airplay for bands like Wolf Alice and mm. um even some of the sort of major label stuff you know that had early amazing radio play the sort of obvious pop stuff like kind of Rag and Bone Man and Dua Lipa yeah supported before the real breakthrough you know mm, so it's yeah. always they're always on as on the pulse as I think you can be just because they're a, an industry as you say they're on they're sort of like an industry on everyone's sort of industry tick list you know if you can get yeah, some amazing yeah. airplay that helps your radio journey early on yeah for sure so speaking of radio journeys and new music we've got a track for you um well for everyone who's listening not just for charlie we're not gonna and for you know, me <laughs> and for you paula but robin I think, you're did robin you not hear this the other day when i sent it round. i've so heard we've got, it everywhere <laughs> so you've heard it everywhere <laughs> it's everywhere and that's not a bad thing though so the first new track we're going to play this week is by a band called feral five and the song is called get a grip
So that was Feral Five with Get a Grip. And they say it's a song for when enough is enough and you need to reclaim your own power. What do you think of that one, Paula? I'm liking it. I mean, I'm a fan of their stuff in general. Um, I think they're great live, but that track, particularly digging it. Yeah, no, I mean, live, I booked them last year for Crow Crow Land and they absolutely blew me away. And we've kind of become quite good friends Mm -hmm. since their cat five who's in feral five came on the show as a guest a few episodes back to play us some of her solo stuff which is absolutely amazing like she's an incredible writer and this track get a grip they actually wrote this remotely so it's um they're they're a duo feral five Mm -hmm. and they wrote this remotely while in lockdown so they were in separate homes sending files across to each other and i kind of like the sort of Susie and the Banshees-esque tone to it. It's quite dark mm-hmm. places. And I kind of like there's there's lots of little details and things that sort of weave into this track. And that that they they do this a lot and I really, yeah. really like that. They're really clever. Yeah, that's really, that's, really that's clever. And what I really yeah. like on this track in particular are the drums and they're programmed drums, right? Yes. I mean, yeah, obviously. But just checking, just in case <laughs> before I start disrespecting the drum. <laughs> Can you imagine that I've actually got a drawer in the back? <laughs> no, sorry, I was going to say I really like them and I think the whole track's really clever and I think like what you were saying earlier about Kat, she's just, she's phenomenal. Like her work rate is amazing. I know, she she never stops. Mm-hmm. She's involved in loads of sort of like women music. loads of things. Things she she's writes great. for Kit Monsters. She's, she's, she's brilliant. And there's actually, there's a quote here um, which I think I might have read earlier and stole the Susie and the Banshees comment um, from there. But it says, imagine something like Susie and the Banshees cruising through hieroglyphic billboards in a Blade Runner spinner knitted out of king-size boombox and you're halfway there. I think that's kind of quite quite apt. Gets across their energy levels. So do stream Feral 5 stuff, go to Bandcamp, buy it, listen to it wherever you can. It's, It's out there. It was released, I think... A week or two ago, I think. I feel like it was last Friday because there was a lot of good music that came out last Friday. It might be, actually. I went to a sort of private release thing that they did mm. tickets for so you could see their, their video and there was like a chat mm. with the with um, Drew and Kat from, from Feral 5. It was really cool. But that's them. They're so creative, like, in everything they do. Yeah, and massively supportive for so many bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you can tell we love Feral 5. Fans. So massive, massive fans. Anyway... So on the show today, we're talking about pirate radio station. Um, I was about to say amazing radio. That is not a pirate radio station. <laughs> Libel. <Radio laughs> Caroline is the pirate radio station. And we've got Charlie Ashcroft from Amazing Radio joining us today. So just before we get stuck into um, Radio Caroline, um, I just, if it's even, no, it hasn't come out at all. I printed out some some facts about pirates. So I think during the next song, I might have... Actually, no, I think I'll remember one off the top of like my head. Like genuine pirates. Right. Genuine pirates. Or a pirate radio. Genuine pirates. Okay, right. Bluebeard. Okay. What do you think Blackbeard used to do to strike fear into the hearts of people before he kind of like went and like captured their boats or whatever? Am I going first? You Whoever, whoever wants to... To is this something that happened at this sea is, or on the land? Well, you can you can have a guess. I would say, given that he's a pirate in a boat about to take another boat, he was probably at sea. 
Are you Googling this, Charlie? You are, aren't you? I can, I can, I can see a reflection of a computer screen in your eyes. <laughs> no, no. My computer just did that thing where it's been idle for too long and has just got, gone into screen safe. <laughs> All right, I'll go with it. I think he I used to... I could Google it, but I'll spend too long looking. <laughs> I think he used to impersonate blue whales and make them think their ships were going to sink. <laughs> I think that's justifiable as well. Like, that could happen. Justifiable. I'll, I'll could say that that's definitely not the okay. answer. Charlie, what do you I think? Gave it a go. He did. Was it something trivial, like they would hurl like rotten fruit or food at, at the other ship and, and I don't know, really... Get, this is Blackbeard, <laughs> the most fierce pirate in the sea. <laughs> no, he used to. He used to. I can't because my notes are printed out in this. I don't blue know on what, blue, <laughs> blue on blue, and smudged. Blue on blue and smudged. It's like what? What idiot thought that was a good idea? Hello. Um. Yeah. So I can't remember what he put in his beard, but basically, he used to twirl the ends of it candle and just set fire to it. I bet it was candle. It oh, was petroleum jelly, maybe. It was. It. I. I don't That's think Vaseline. it was that. It's not it was be some... that. <laughs> but Vaseline in his beard. <laughs> he slicked it, did like a Hoxton moustache. No, he, he um... was out buying his beard wax in Shoreditch to strike fear exactly. into the hearts of men. <laughs> <laughs> no, he set fire to his beard. Jesus, what a fuck not. <laughs> Seriously. Because so, he wanted to look like he was like the devil or something. Wow. That's that's pretty full on. That's next level. Well, there you go. That's that's my first pirate fact. And uh I was going to pepper them in throughout the show, but I don't know if I can remember any of the other ones off the top of my head. Um, anyway, onto the pirate radio station, Radio Caroline. Mm-hmm. So my main sources of research for this was from the book Radio Caroline, The True Story of the Boat That Rocked. Then there's a few Guardian articles, one from The Telegraph and Wikipedia, and I'll put all of the... Um, all the links to these in the show notes. There was also a really good kind of YouTube series. It did keep crashing, but I think that was just my computer. And there's like kind of part one to eight, which has loads of like clips of the shows and stuff like oh, that. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like the greatest documentary, but there's some really nice sound bites in there mm-hmm. that are cool. So Radio Caroline launched on Easter Saturday on the 28th of March in 1964 by Ronan O'Harrelly. How do you say that? You're Irish, Paula. Rahili. 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 Oh, Rahili. Oh, Rahili. That'll do. Oh, Rahili. And I'm half Irish, so I should be able, well, you know, yeah. My accents and pronouncing things we know isn't great. Uh, Anyway, they broadcast from a ship called Caroline that was registered in Panama, owned by a company based in Liechtenstein, hired by Planet Productions based in Ireland, which benefited from a business called Planet Sales, which sold advertising on commercial radio stations. That's ever so slightly confusing, but it was it was meant to be set up that way mm-hmm. and was meant to be confusing. So it was seen to be like an international business anchored just outside British territory. Mm-hmm. So it was just off the coast of Felixstowe. Uh, so... Not the only pirate radio station on the high seas. And you'll hear a little bit more about that um, from Paula later, I think. You mentioned a couple. Yeah. 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 Uh, but we're going to dip our toes into the story of Caroline and how it began. So talk about a little bit about the DJs, some of the stories and a bit of a sort of darker twist element later, which I think is really cool. If you like Agatha Christie, then I think you'll like this this bit. But um, but a bit of context 
of the times before Radio Caroline's first broadcast, Radio in Britain was provided by the BBC. And though not controlled by the government, they 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 regulated it basically. Its purpose was to set out um sorry, what was I gonna say? Its purpose as set out by the first director general was to educate, inform and entertain, but it was kind of the the former, the kind of two objectives were the sort of, you know, the education and inform and then a bit of entertainment that was not seen as a priority. Um and some people noticed that and were a bit a bit pissed off and thought it was a bit shit, basically. And Ronan was one of those people. So at just 22, he was a band manager and he also ran a club in Soho. And he sort of comments in, in the book I mentioned. Can um, I ask a question about yeah, sure. him? He was, always, was he not also an actor's agent who managed one of the James Bonds? Oh, that's an interesting fact. I didn't know that. If I'm right, and I might not be right, I'm fairly <laughs> sure I am. But I'm sure he also told this actor whose name I cannot remember not to do any more of them because it was going to be like a flash in the pan kind of series. It was going to die out. We need to Google that to make sure that's him. But that's okay. a, that's that's an epic fail on his part. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> no, it might be an epic fail on mine if it's not true. James Bond, what a load of old rubbish. But um, <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, so in the book, he he basically says, and I'm just going to read a quote from him. After I discovered that the BBC wouldn't play Georgie Fame's album, that was someone he managed, um, because it wasn't on EMI or Decca, I suddenly realised that the whole thing was locked up. I remember sitting with the head of Luxembourg, and he that was a radio station, mm-hmm. and he had two of his colleagues in the office with him, and he said, and I said, sorry, how many plays can I get, and are you definitely going to play this? And they just laughed. The idea that that someone could just walk in and believe they could get their record played, how ridiculous. Then they pointed out all these boards on the wall and said, there's the EMI show, there's the Decca show, oh, there's another EMI show, etc. So the shows were pretty much all run by giants. So it wasn't sort of like Mm -hmm. independently selected even by DJs. It wasn't their choice. Um, And Ronan said, do you mean to say that every record I've ever heard on Luxembourg was paid for? And they said, absolutely right, we're booked for the next five years, mate. And so he said, wow. well, I'm just going to go and start my own radio station then. Um, so, you know, basically what people were hearing, yeah, I mean, you could, you know, you heard the Beatles, you heard the Rolling Stones, but, but when they were on these big, big, important labels, but for yeah. new music, there was no there was no Charlie Ashcroft. That's, that's the problem here. There was no Charlie Ashcroft with Audition Show to... Um, to give exposure to to new music or just just to play stuff because you like mm-hmm. it rather than me being told what you have to play. And so this is where the story sort of really begins for Radio Caroline. It was a sort of audacious scheme destined to challenge the monopoly of the BBC and effectively declare broadcasting war on the government. But uh so a bit more about about the vote. Paul, I think you've got something to say about that. Yeah, so the boat was a converted passenger ferry. Um, obviously, they had to do quite a bit of work on it to get it into ship shape to be broadcast, radio um, broadcastable. Uh, fortunately, Ronan's family owned a port in Ireland, so they took the boat there where they could kind of work on it undercover because they didn't want, obviously, they didn't want the police to kind of get any ideas about what was about to happen. Um, locals in the town, or the, the people working within the port, just kept them, didn't say anything to anyone. Locals in the town started to get a bit, you know, what's going on over there when they saw a 165-foot mast being erected on top of it. 
which if you're in a little kind of port town in, in Ireland, I think that's going to raise some suspicions in the 60s. Um, a journalist was sent down from the local paper and they managed to get rid of him by saying that it was a marine ship and the mast was there to detect deep, deep level marine sponges. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what was happening in like the wasn't this early 60s, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must have been if they were built in the boat because it launched in whenever I said it was. 64. 64, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's how they managed to kind of get around journalists. And they, apparently they bought this story and published it on the front page. And it was kind of being celebrated as like, you know, what great work was being done when really they were kind of kitting it out to be a pirate radio station. Yeah. And so was it, um, so it was, they obviously weren't the first pirate mm. radio station. Mm-hmm. They weren't the first to have the idea um, but there was certainly one of the most famous pirate radio stations to launch and change the sort of history of how things were done. Um, so, yeah, it was Ronan's idea, wasn't it, to do... No, I mean, like he did have the idea to start Radio Caroline, but there was another guy around who was trying to start another station called Radio Atlantic. And Ronan was a little bit of a pirate, let's say, in every sense of the word, because he met up with him and had this whole, whole kind of whole conversation with him about how, you know, Atlanta, sorry, not Atlanta could take the area off the sort of Essex coast that would cover the southeast and London, and he'd be broadcasting from. I guess would be the North Irish Sea covering the northeast of England and also Ireland. Yeah. But the guy who was working to start Atlanta, he'd done like a huge amount of research on, um, you know, the sort of geographical area that could be covered from that area of the sea and the potential, the amount of people they could raise, the advertising revenue yeah. that could then generate. But Ronan took this information, all of his research, went to some different, went to some independent investors, got the investment to build the ship and then took the ship and sailed it out into these waters that Atlanta was supposed to be covering. Oh, so stole... Yeah, a little bit of skullduggery, their, to say the least. Stole their patch, basically. Stole their patch and stole their information did, as well and little, used it to get investment. Did I they wee on it and claimed it as their own? It, it didn't kind of sour the waters, if you want to excuse the pun too much, as I'll come to it a little bit later. <laughs> See what I did there. <laughs> oh, that was good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he was like, yeah, he took someone else's basically hard work and claimed it for himself got investment and got his ship on the water well yeah i mean that's uh it's not something you could really take him to court over is it seeing well yeah a bit i was planning <laughs> anyway. something illegal you nix my idea i want to take you to court right i've got a quiz question Go for, for you it. both right um not a pirate related one mm-hmm. although i do remember a couple of them now so they are back on the table um so what do you think was the going rate for a DJ on Radio Caroline? And how much do you think that? So basically, how much do you think they were paid? In what year? Well, in the year that this was. It's not today's money, is it? 64. Um, 64, yeah. When when the, the thing launched, mm. yeah. Is it pounds, shillings and pence in that time? You can keep quizzing. You just need to guess. Fuck knows. Can I do it in today's money? You can do it in whatever currency. Okay, you can do it in Bitcoin if you want. I think in today's pounds money, it will be the equivalent of earning 25 quid a day. In today's money, right, okay. Yeah, if you convert it. All yeah. right, okay, all right, okay. Charlie? Um, see, I think I think they might have been massively underappreciated at first before, I don't know, having to get some kind of raise when they realised just how many people were listening. Um Maybe a ten pounds a show in today's money. Well, I shall tell you both. I mean, how does that compare to Amazing Radio? 
<laughs> well, actually, I'll, t- I'll tell you how much, first of all, actually. Then you can tell me if, <laughs> if it's better or worse. Right, okay. So each DJ was given £25 a week, mm-hmm. 20 cigarettes a day, and as much beer as they could drink. And they worked two weeks on and one week off. And that was through storms and all kinds of weather. So uh, you're going you're gonna to swap your, your gig at Amazing for Radio Caroline. I mean, <laughs> plenty more fags and booze. <laughs> uh, no, I mean that—that that doesn't actually seem that bad. Although I don't—I don't. If think you're not so. going anywhere other than you're staying on the ship, you're not spending money. I guess you could it's save true. a bit. I mean, it's like true. to be fair, if you take into account the price of rent in London, like <laughs> yeah, but they didn't—they're only on the boat for two weeks and then oh, they really? come off. Yeah, through stormy weather, they used to just pull these metal shutters down and hope for the best. I suppose it was a passenger ferry as well. It wasn't even equipped to be out in the open sea for weeks yeah. on end. And they didn't have, um, so in the film, it shows like these, that they have these like luxurious little mm-hmm. rooms with their own bathrooms and stuff like that. And none of that was, was true. It wasn't like the plushest of, of accommodation. But, um, but pretty cool mm-hmm. to be doing a radio show there. But, um, but talking about like dire, situations lockdown how how did you do your show during lockdown charlie did oh do- remotely i mean you amazing is very flexible in, in terms of how it's able to work so if you if you can get links pre-recorded you know they can just insert them into the play out system uh, around all this all the music and the show's kind of just carried on as normal everyone was very yeah yeah you know very accommodating if you like and I think particularly as lockdown hit the first time around people initially were trying to find sort of comfort zones and things that they were familiar with but gradually I think as people got bored of of that and they wanted more company if you like there was a definite resurgence in in radio listening and I think amazing felt that a lot we had a lot of interactions you know, after a few weeks of, of the first lockdown really hitting as people actually gradually returned to wanting to discover new stuff. Um, so, yeah, I've been quite lucky that we didn't have to have any kind of breaks in the schedule. Um, so, yeah, I think I think from, from that perspective, absolutely fine, you know, pre-recorded links, listen to all the music beforehand, make notes on what's got like a loud intro or a quiet outro and yeah. everything else so that you're not, coming out of film something at 100 miles an hour when it's more of a mellow song things like that um just got to be a bit more yeah a bit you're sort of just doing the show in a slightly different way mm-hmm. yeah and do you have a favorite show on amazing radio um oh that's tough uh i think if you li- if you tune in on a on a weekday afternoon you get very good value with with frankie francis you know he's obviously been you know he's not currently sort of touring or or making music with with Frankie and the Heartstrings at the moment but he's got lots of stories to tell and he's got a keen ear for new music he plays a Mm -hmm. lot of new stuff every day um he's a good kind of gateway as well I think to the to the amazing playlist um yeah there's others as well Shel Zenner's very good as well for her show uh Jim Gellertly as well with for a bit of a Scottish Mm -hmm. slant he's got a very broad network of kind of coverage of, of new talent coming from north of the border um there's a good array there's a good array of, of presenters mark ryan as well does the amazing beat show it's like five hours of dance and electronica on a friday night i think that's 
think that's incredible as well. So yeah, hard to pick a favourite, but I think if you if you wanted a gateway and one that was yeah. a firm fave always, and you've got plenty of opportunities because Monday to Friday, uh, yeah. Frankie on Amazing from three till seven, I think is is a good bet. Cool. Right, Paula, you've yep. got some new music for me this week, haven't you? Yeah, I do. I mean, I've got new music coming all the way from Newcastle. Uh, this is Cat Ryan with Mary Shelley song. was Cat Ryan with Mary Shelley song. Um, you can find that on Spotify, Bandcamp, all the usual places. If you want to check them out on social, they're Cat Ryan Seventeen, and you should do so. Yeah, really, really great song. And I think Cat Ryan won the Amazing Radio poll um, this year. That was the last single, and I because it was the same week that Tiger Mimic were also um, there for voting. And so, because I know the manager of Cat Ryan, Jay mm. from Pillar Music, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, yeah, it was it was oh, like a, yeah, I really love Jay. Jay's Twisted Twist 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 Twist
So, um, yeah, so I was torn. Well, not not too badly torn because Tiger Mimic are the band that I manage, right? But um, but it was... <laughs> you can't say that. But, well, no, I can say it because, you know, Jay's been so great yeah. for, to, like, Bug Eye and to me over, over the years I've known him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like, oh, I really want to vote for, you, for, for Kat, but I can't. But, um, yeah, but Kat won those hats off to her. But now they've promised to put Tiger Mimic on up north at a show so it all worked out well DIY scene again there you go yeah there we go so um back to the story of Radio Caroline um so the radio station launched and the government were pretty pissed Mm -hmm. about it but so were quite a few other people actually apparently Sir Joseph Lockwood chairman of EMI okay um Sir Joseph Lockwood you just sorry to his family, of course they're going to be listening to this show, but he sounds like a dick already, doesn't he, really? Just by the title? Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, so chairman of EMI all but demanded that the government blow the ship out of the water. With what? <laughs> I don't know. Cannon Semtex, like what are we talking about? <laughs> Send in the fighter jets. Um, <laughs> he claimed that Caroline would result in a drop of record sales for the whole industry, uh, meaning EMI. Really, when in actual fact, EMI's like the artists that were on EMI, mm-hmm. Decca, the other big record labels, um, were still featured on the station. They basically yeah. just played what they want, what what they wanted, and EMI just didn't like the idea that they weren't in control and can mm-hmm. dictate what was being played and have the lion's share of it. Um, so the station was really seen as a serious threat by politicians. You know our corrupted youth already with uh, what's going on in the sixties. Now yep. they want their own their own radio stations. How dare uh, they? Exactly, and they did consider the possibility of jamming the signal, um, but it didn't mm-hmm. seem viable. I.e., I think it was just going to be way way too expensive, expensive to do it. Um, and likewise with the boat being able to just keep moving, yeah. being outside of British territory, it was kind of a a bit of a political nightmare on how they they dealt with that. And the musicians' union were angry. PPL were angry. The British Copyright Council were also up in arms because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, people get like a cut. cut of this, yeah. but, but bands do as well. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, I don't think you'll find any of the bands that were played actually being annoyed with the fact that this that this um, station existed. Mm-hmm. Um, but they even made threats, which I think this is hilarious, to the British public via the post office, saying. Um, what, like putting a notice up in the post oh, no, office? Oh, no, 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 or... through people's doors. Through Seriously? people's doors. You know, like, you know, like... You must vote You letters. must have a TV yeah. licence, right? It was pretty much like that. And what they said was, radio listeners are entitled only to listen to authorised stations. Listeners of Radio Caroline are liable for a £10 fine um, on a first conviction and a £50 fine for any subsequent offence. I mean, that's ridiculous. But people loved listening to it and so it wasn't you know they they didn't care that there was a threat they weren't going to switch off and the fact is um caroline's reach was absolutely staggering in early 1966 a survey found that 45 percent of britons regularly tuned in so i don't think they were really going to be able to get away with trying to find almost 50 percent of the population really it's uh yeah it was quite staggering but I also think the people that it was aimed at as well weren't really gonna um, change their behaviour because the the like a ten pound fine. Well, no, it was it was the same it was the same situation of when in there was this kind of heightened 
sort of banning of songs yeah. in the seventies, all it did was make people want want it more. Mm-hmm. I think especially if it's aimed at like a younger generation that are a little bit more carefree. Yeah. No, exactly. So um I've got another pirate fact, Paula, just before you uh you well actually, actually it's a question and I don't expect you to get the answer. And there is there is there's a couple of there's a couple of theories to this. But um why do you think pirates wore earrings? An earring in their ear. Or two ears, both ears. Why did they wear earrings? Status. Charlie, what do you think? Yeah, so like if they've killed someone. No, apparently it was either for one of the two reasons. Um, one was that um, they thought that if they wore certain metals in their ears, it was like kind of um, medicinal and it would stop them getting things like eye infections and things like this. It was actually like for a health benefit. Wow. Wow. So I'd, quite hippie. I mean, I would think at that time it would give them an ear infection. rather than solve anything so they were kind of like violent hippies really i I wouldn't tie the words hippie and pirate together but carry i suppose it's an alternative lifestyle we'll give it that and uh the the other theory um which which both could be correct Mm -hmm. was that they also wore earrings because if they kind of died at sea um that whoever found them would take the earring and pay for them to have some sort of burial or ship their body back to to where they came from. But my my, my view of that was how would anyone know where they came from? And actually, See, back I'm... in those days, everyone was thieving. So you just take the earrings and go, later. Oh, oh my God, no. Like, See, that tugged on my heartstrings a little bit there. They just wanted to be sent home. Oh. <laughs> sentimental their life was at sea she's crying into the mic here (laughs) state of her seriously oh god anyway paula i think it's over to you i think i've talked enough you've got a pretty cool yeah so i've got a bit of a weird story like when i started looking around about radio caroline i came across um a murder at this time radio caroline um they weren't content with just broad broadcasting from felixstowe and in july 1964 they merged with another pirate radio station, Radio Atlanta, that we spoke about earlier. So obviously the blood couldn't have been too bad between them. And they formed Radio Caroline North and Radio Caroline South. However, this still wasn't enough. And Radio Caroline had its sights on its rival, which was called Radio City. A lot of radios in this. So in October 1965, Major Oliver Smedley, who had come on board from Radio Atlanta, became embroiled in negotiations on behalf of Radio Caroline's takeover Radio City, which broadcast from Shivering Sands Army Fort, which was a Second World War Marine Fort just off the Kent coast. So it wasn't a boat. It was on the coast, but it was kind of more of a sort of standalone structure. He entered into a partnership with Radio City's owner, pop group manager Reginald Calvert, and installed a more powerful transmitter onto the fort. However, according to rumour, this transmitter was an antique and never worked. So he just sold him a complete duff that he got from I don't even know where, to be honest. And oh, I don't even know how you test if one of those worked. Obviously, he, was, he wasn't paid for it. And being a bit miffed at it, he decided on Saturday the 18th of June, he would arrange a boarding party, which was mainly of striking seamen. Apparently, there was some huge kind of like naval strike at the time to go out to the Shivering Sands Fort and reclaim his transmitter. The boarding party, accompanied by Smedley and Kitty Black, who was another of the original Project oh, Pirate, yeah, Project Atlanta shareholders, left Gravesend Pier in the dead of night 
on Sunday the 19th of June, arriving at the fort under cover of darkness in the wee small hours of the next day. They boarded the fort, with some say 10, and other reports say 17, uh, what are now classified as workmen as they're working for them, to repossess the transmitter that they'd been supplied and but hadn't paid for. The seven broadcasting and engineering staff were all asleep, so Smedley, Black and the boarding party scrambled onto the st- structure, successfully occupying it and meeting no resistance whatsoever. I mean, imagine, like, it's the dead of night on the Kent coast, there's going to be no one around. They removed the transmitter crystal and returned to Gravesend with it, but it was only Smedley and Black who went, leaving the remainder of the boarding party occupying Shivering Sands. The Radio City staff were locked in their quarters. Uh, with no staff, the radio obviously closed for the day. And as the hiremen showed no signs of leaving, despite the transmitter in question being off the premises, Reginald Cavanaugh reported the raid to Scotland Yard. The police, however, um, they were just like, well, I don't know if there's much we can do about it because it's not part of our jurisdiction. And I'm not quite sure if this is because they reported it to Scotland Yard and they meant it's because it's in Kent or if it's because, I mean, initially I thought this was like a fort that was on the land, but having done a bit of research and looked at pictures, it's actually one of those super cool old world, like World War II ones that stand in the middle of the sea. You know, That's pretty cool. They kind of sort of got the crane bottom and the yeah. big sort of living area with the things coming out the top. Like, can you imagine broadcasting a radio station from that? Which is now probably available to rent on Airbnb for like £3,000 a night or something. I reckon it'd be a bit chilly. <laughs> So anyway, the police were just like, yep, no further action in that one. So without any police assistance or any hope of it, Calvert decided to take matters into his own hands. He visited Smedley's home in Saffron Walden, Essex, to demand the departure of the raiders and the return of the vital transmitter parts, because at this point, as far as he knew, the station wasn't running without it. Um, he took along for the ride and probably the support a radio engineer called Alan Arnold. Calvert entered the house by forcing his way past Smedley's housekeeper and secretary. A scuffle then developed between the two men, and Calvin picked up a marble bust with which he threatened the sec- uh, sorry Pamela Thorburn, which was the, the secretary. And all this is getting a little bit cluzo now. He's like he's kind of in the hallway with a marble bust threatening Miss Warburn. <laughs> um, I was I just I just had a flashback to an episode of EastEnders. Really, where, <laughs> it wasn't um, Dirty Den's final kind of ruin. When um, he, I don't know, was he pushed over in the pub? And then, you know, the Queen Vic bust that's on the bar mm. and someone pulls that down on top of him and then he gets buried in the, the fl- I want to say the floor. I might be con- like, oh, mixing things up a little bit there. But but yeah, it was the, the bust from the, the Queen Vic. But anyway, so go no, back to your I, I story. Just, <laughs> I just had this kind of Cluedo imagery of like, you know, the Reginald in the hallway with the marble bust. <laughs> But anyway, at this point, um, Alan Arnold, who's the guy who's gone along to give uh, the old Reggie boy his support, he gets a bit concerned about like his behaviour, which, I mean, fair enough. If you kind of just burst in someone's home and you're picking up things, threatening their secretary and housekeepers, like, it's a bit much. So he went out to get help. Uh, but as he was outside, he heard a shot and returned to find Smedley in the doorway of the dining room. More Cluedo. <laughs> holding a shotgun and Reginald Calvin lying dead in the hallway. A bit of a shit version of Cluedo, isn't it? Because it's a bit like, well, he's there with a shotgun and the person was shot. So, you know, it's a bit like... <laughs> well, you think, you think. So, Game over, I win. So, obviously now, Smedley was arrested and formally charged the following morning with his murder, unsurprisingly. Yeah. Which, unsurprisingly, he denies, claiming he's acting in self-defence. 
However, he remains in prison for a further eight days before a manslaughter manslaughter charge being brought against him instead. Yeah. Police officers, in the meantime, have gone out to Shivering Sands to question the seven Radio City staff members and the members of the boarding party who are still occupying the fort. This is about four days on now. They've got the transmitter back, but they're still just hanging out there for, I don't know what, enjoying the Kent coast scenery maybe it's beautiful there beautiful yeah however they left three and a half hours later having taken statements without making any arrests whatsoever uh they left behind the gang of workmen on the fort and then who just bizarrely and without warning uh three days later which means they stayed there for a week on their jollies obviously just left with like no reason no rhyme nothing at all they just left yeah well, what um, happened to matey boy he was in prison for eight days so matey boy uh he was let out on bail um he was taken to court, was charged with manslaughter. The jury took about 50 minutes listening to the case, didn't even go off to deliberate it, or just went, yeah, not guilty, and he went on his way. Not guilty? Not guilty for having a gun and shooting someone? No, I mean, he ple- he pleaded self-defence. Well, you know. I mean, he thought that this guy was going to attack his housekeeper and secretary, so he was just like, nah, mate, self-defence. Mm, fishy, that one. <laughs> fishy, see, nice, couldn't, nice time. Couldn't resist, couldn't resist. Um, but these dramatic events, which became as the, known as the Radio City Affair, did a lot to kind of sort of shatter the fun-packed, you know, sort of swinging 60s image that pirate radio in general had at that time. So, obviously, and probably with good reason, as soon as they could, Radio Caroline just distanced herself from the whole affair and tried to keep, like, you know, with a sort of clean, nice, fun kind of image going. They had their sort of Radio Caroline... What was their fan club called? I can't remember. Talking about fans, Uh I've got got a a nice story for you that's quite quite funny. So there was obviously um, a lot of DJs involved in Radio Caroline. Some of the names, Johnny Walker... Robbie Dale, David Lee Travis, Tony Blackburn, and another name you might know actually um, was John Peel. He wasn't on Radio Caroline, but he was on yeah. one of the other pirate stations, which was London London Radio. But um, I didn't know that actually. I should have known that because I read the John Peel book. It just shows I read something; it just goes completely out of my head. Um, anyway, this this story. So Johnny Walker tells a story in a Guardian article of the time his girlfriend Dee gave him three spliffs to take on board um and she said basically if you want more i'm always listening to radio caroline around sort of 9 30 in the evening so yep. just say we would like more tea or we need more tea or something mm-hmm. and then I'll, i will know that that's what you you want so basically that's exactly what johnny walker did he said i just want to say good evening to Dave in kilburn um, we've run out of tea, love. Um, two days later, um, he got a padded envelope with four big spliffs in it. Three days after that, from the fans, he got a sack full of mail with just just basically loads of people sent in Tetley tea bags and Thai food <laughs> and inundated with actual tea. People Cute. just kept sending tea. <laughs> but where did they send it? It was a boat on the sea. Well, there must be like a kind of, you know... Like secret squirrels, we know where to send this type mm. thing. I mean, but I'm, that is a very good point. No, I mean, I know they had like a registered office somewhere, but I mean... I well, that's I, probably the answer then. <laughs> at a registered office. <laughs> oh, God. So, like I say, we know that this was um, leading sort of big changes into into radio by the, sort of having these pirate radio yeah. stations um and that they did actually come come to an end they were i think in 1967 there was a a new law that was passed Mm -hmm. to prohibit 
to prohibit that. But um, I've got a question for you both, and I will shut up soon, I promise. Um, when do you think the first live radio transmission was? What year? Ooh. And not for Caroline, just in, in general. general. Charlie? Um, oh, wow. Sounds I'm, like a I proper mean, pub go, quiz. It must go back to like the early 1900s. Let's go like 1905. So I. That's a pure Ooh. guess. I'm going to go earlier. I'm going 1852. Well, I shall tell you. Uh, it was in 1920. <gasps> um, so basically, so out. Yeah, so very close. Actually, I mean, the first kind of, you know, testing of radios was in, you know, 18... Was in 1852, it wasn't, exactly, it wasn't, wasn't it? <laughs> it? No, it wasn't. It was 1862 or so. I don't know. I didn't write that bit down. But um, in Why the years not? following the First World War, many former military radio operators became amateur radio enthusiasts, hmm. tinkering with their homemade sets to pick up transmissions and transmitting their own talks or music. So basically it was like the first podcast. I like that. That's really yeah. cool. So they kicked off what would become radio, basically. And podcasts. In, yeah, and podcasts. Um, but Britain's first sort of advertised live public broadcast took place on the 15th of June in 1920, two years before the BBC's first programme, and it was when the famous Australian opera singer Dame Nellie Melba sang into a Chelmsford microphone sponsored by the Daily Mail, which I just thought was a bit odd. I suppose I had to have done something um, interesting at some point other Positive. than spread hate. Um, get the claws back in. Anyway, um, so this venture into entertainment proved too much for, here we go again, the general post office. <laughs> Man, they've got they've got ants in their pants. What man? And they basically withdrew the um, license for broadcasting from Chelmsford because obviously they had their military uh-huh. kind of license to do transmissions, and they said no, no, we're not having that. So the general post office um, clumsy intervention met with howls of protest by three thousand three hundred people who were listeners to these shows who signed a petition calling for broadcasting to return so there was so much pressure that the you know the general post office had to concede and in 1922 they began broadcasting popular entertainment again um and it was still sort of often the shows were all just devised and presented by their own engineers um but yeah and that was in chelmsford so that was the first kind of entertainment radio shows i think that's really sweet wow. It is really sweet. I'd be really interested to know when women got involved with it. Yeah, I don't. I don't have that. It's going to be a good while after that. Let's just say that. Quite, quite possibly. the The name Radio Caroline was named after John F. Kennedy's six year old daughter. Um, Rome thought that you know she just that he sort of seemed like a ray of hope, and that his mm-hmm. daughter was like the new generation of people that would make a difference, and yeah. so he. He named the station after her. But did you know, it was also, he saw a photo of them in time in the Oval Office and his daughter was, oh, Caroline, his daughter was dancing and her dad had stopped working like in the Oval Office to go and play with her and he was just like, that's like, you know, two fingers up to the man, I'm going to spend time with my daughter. Mm. I think that's quite a sweet story. I suppose with all of this, I think there's mm-hmm. like a common theme, isn't there, that there's always like the establishment that kind of drags their feet with change and want to kind of regulate and control everything. Um, and then time and time again, they have to loosen up and allow new things to come through before they then learn how to control that. And then there's a yeah. new wave of, of something else. It's just, I just think it's really, really interesting. 
Um, but being on the boat, and I've only got a couple more bits to say, could actually be quite dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, there were often storms, as I, I said before, and it wasn't the kind of party that the film portrays it to be. Like, girls weren't even allowed on the boat. Um, I thought really. I thought I heard, or heard, I didn't hear, of course. I thought I read somewhere that someone's wife or fiancé or girlfriend was allowed on the boat, and... It was due to her walking around in like a see-through negligee that after that they were not allowed anymore very much. Well, yeah, exactly. So oh. banned from being on the boat is what My I bad, meant. Sorry. Yeah. No, but you just wanted to share that fact, didn't you? So, yeah. <laughs> well done, Paula. I read something. <laughs> anyway, so Jeez, it could thanks. be quite dangerous business. And in January 1966, Caroline's South boat, um, um, the My Amigo, drifted and ran aground um, and five DJs, including the young Tony Blackburn, had to be rescued in the freezing night winds. Um, and sometimes, um, so basically, I've got a comment here. Sometimes we'd get heavy storms and batten down the portholes with metal shutters. And then it was like living in a submarine, says Walker. Getting on and off the ship was pretty hairy as well. It involved a huge leap across and the boats going up and down in different directions. To prevent record skipping, turntable needles were weighted down with a pre-decimal penny. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. This was um, not the age of DAB, was it? <laughs> your records were fucked in no time. Um, what? So they actually had to weigh down the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turntable. Yeah, because obviously it would just be skipping. Do you know what? I actually remember my dad doing that with 50Ps if there was a scratch in the record, like weighing it down on one side so the needle would just kind of skim over it. But um, one element of the boat that rocked that niggles um, Johnny Walker is the final title card, which declares that that the pirate radio died on August 15th. In fact, um, he says that him and... Robbie Dale risked arrest by staying with Caroline while most of their peers found safe berths at the newly established Radio 1. And just after midnight, he declared, Radio Caroline continues and played the Beatles' All You Need Is Love. Oh, which I thought was sweet. Cool. Yeah. It does still continue, though. Does it? Yeah, it's a digital station now. Oh, because it talks it... Well, I mean, it kind of... I mean, it started again after it got licensed, because mm-hmm. I say here... Um, in March 1968, um, the ship was boarded and impounded by Dutch seamen over unpaid bills. And um, Walker says, all I could think about as we were being towed across the North Sea was the millions of people who were wondering where Caroline was. Um, there was just this white noise of static. So when people tuned in, that's all they would hear. It was like the end of an era. So, Very much so. It's, it's, still, it's still going? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. I think it was granted an AM licence. Oh, I mean, it's probably not going in the context that it was when they were broadcasting from a ship and that kind of sort of head is sort of swinging 60s, a little bit rebellious, that kind of vibe. And I mean, it even if you listen to it now, it would be very sort of like male orientated rock kind of tunes playing, I guess. But it does still exist. I mean, it probably doesn't exist within the remit that it had when it was on yeah. a ship and it was a pirate radio station but the name and the kind of the idea of it does exist and it kind of alludes to it being a ship sorry if i spoiled your story no you didn't spoil my story at all <laughs> so it lives on it's not dead okay. it's not dead caroline is here but sadly i'll tell you actually this is going to come out completely wrong. I was going, i'll tell you who is dead um it's sad because the um creator of um radio caroline actually died this year in yeah. april yeah yeah 
age 79, mm-hmm. of dementia. Oh, I didn't know it was dementia. Yeah. Oh, now I'm sad. Oh, dear. Oh, quick. We need something light-hearted. Let's change the subject. Let's change the subject. I can change the subject to something light-hearted if you Go want. Go on, then. For anyone interested in any kind of, like, pirate radio from a bygone era, there is an amazing website called the Offshore Radio Museum, which is so, so interesting. And it's it like it's obviously someone's passion project. And the amount of work and, like, dedication and time they've put into it please go and check it out. I sent them an email asking if I could thank anyone for it because it's absolutely brilliant. They haven't got back to us yet, but if they do, we'll let you know. There is an email in the inbox from them. I saw it tonight. <gasps> okay. So you have a little read. Okay. I didn't read it. So I asked for Paula. I let her deal with that. Fair enough. Next week's show. <laughs> but to this week's show. So this week's show. So we are joined by Charlie Ashcroft from Amazing Radio and the show's almost done, but... I just thought we'd dig a little bit into Charlie's record collection. All right, so top three records of all time. Oh, blimey. Um, On the spot now. Okay. Um, I will have to go with... This is a bit like kind of half of Desert Island Discs, isn't it? Yeah, How how many are allowed on Desert Island Discs? Is it eight? So you give me three... We're cutting your ration. My maths is terrible. No, um, okay. I'll probably go with What's the Story Morning Glory by Oasis on the Mm -hmm. basis that it was a very formative time for me and and suddenly everyone had that CD and I bought it and I've just never grown tired of it it ever since. Um, Slightly left field choice but I'm not left field, very mainstream choice, but one that will always remind me of being in the car with my parents, which I actually recently found on record, um, this Foreign Affair by Tina Turner. Okay. Just, mm-hmm. just dozens of incredible, it's the, it's the album that's got um, the best on it. Yeah. And just, just countless sort of powerful rock songs, which yeah. just remind me of driving to see my gran and like just yeah just long journeys soundtracked by by that tape um and then more recent i've got to go for something more recent as well because at the moment i've picked some i've picked two records from the 90s um it's a tough one it's a tough one as the podcast ticks past two hours no uh, <laughs> um, I'll just, I'll forget it. Three from the nineties. I'll go with Nevermind by Nirvana as well, just because. Yeah, pretty just good. Because, yeah. Pretty good choices. The Tina Turner one was Solid. unexpected, but I quite like it. Mm. I like it. Okay. Um, tea or coffee? Oh, um, I like coffee a lot more now than I used to. Uh, to the point where I'm happy to, you know, fill up a little cafetiere and brew it and let it sit for a bit. But I, I'll, I'll always be tea, I think. No. Okay. Chocolate or crisps? Paula, the poll was pretty 50-50. Uh-uh. You're carrying it on, aren't I you? I am. I, I, I'm a rooting here. Um, Come on, Charlie, again, don't let me down. Almost like caveating like I did with tea versus coffee. I do I do like I do like a crisp, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with chocolate. I no! Think. He's a winner. He's a no! winner. He's with the cool kids. <laughs> no. <laughs> Cats oh. or dogs? I promise we're not going to go on all night with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, cats. Yes. Ah. 
you let me down. <laughs> okay. There's some uh, genuine like point scoring going on here. <laughs> We're not always, competitive. Always. We're really not. Uh, what do you think was the best thing about 2020? Birth of my daughter, Luna, who arrived in April. That's Fair a enough. good answer. And the correct answer. It is. It's yes. very much the correct answer. Um, no, she's yeah, lit up our world in an otherwise very uh, very testing year. And, um, yeah, she's very, very smiley as well. So she brings joy every day. It's lovely. Uh, winner. And is she sleeping through the nights? No, of course not. <laughs> so when you say joy every moment. No, I said every day. <laughs> night. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, fair oh, enough. she's getting better. Bless her. She is getting better. And lastly, um, what what have you got planned for twenty twenty one? Like as much as you can plan, I suppose. Anything in the pipeline? Um, as we alluded to a bit earlier, it'd be nice to get back on sort of the live music circuit in mm-hmm. some some shape or form. Um, I'd like to do a bit more writing. As you, we again alluded to a bit earlier, I've, I've enjoyed expanding that a little bit over the, I mean, what 2020 has given us is, you know, no commuting and a bit more time to sort of think and breathe a little bit at home, but I've tried yeah. to do do a bit more writing. And so I'd quite like to do more of that, um, whether it's music related or otherwise, it'd just be nice to scratch that creative itch a little bit. Cool. cool. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us and, and listening to us uh, go on and uh, no it's been partaking. a pleasure it's great to find out so much about the about well, firstly about radio caroline i remember the boat that rocked being quite an inspirational film for anyone yeah, wanting yeah. to get into radio and it was that yeah, i think it mm-hmm. came did you say it came out in 2009 2009 you're right the that the boat that rocked bingo 2009 so directed think, by yeah. richard curtis there you go so yeah, I'd say for anyone wanting not just to sort of I know it's loosely based on various yeah, yeah. things to do with Radio Caroline, but anyone wanting a bit of a a source of radio inspiration and 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 how to really kind of ignite your passion for the medium, yeah. it's a it's a very good watch. Mm-hmm. Um but I will, I'll check out that the offshore radio museum on that website as well, because that sounds really interesting. It's really, do a bit of digging. It's lovely and like like I said, it's it's so obviously someone that's really passionate about this. And that's when I really love things. When it's like kind of, I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone, but for me, when it's pure geekery, I love it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, no, no. But that's where you're going to find all the sort of interesting factoids, yes. isn't it, really? And you'll find out how much I got information from them from. And, and read it word <laughs> for word. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm not like, you know, PhD student over here, whatever. <laughs> Anyway, this has been Bug Eyes Rock Pop Rambles. If you've got new music you want us to play or if you've got a story that you want us to cover by, you know, a song, an artist or something music related, do email us at rockpoprambles at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Bug Eye Band and on Facebook and Instagram as Bug Eye Music. That is it for another week. Just to mention at the end, we do have a Patreon. We do, we do. And we've got lots of... Um, exclusive content that will be going live on there soon including merchandise and also Bug Eyes remix album will be making its debut on there which is uh, really quite exciting we've got most of the tracks in now and they're all sounding yeah. pretty sweet so, super excited for this I mean yeah. uh, what I think is really amazing is how creative people have been like so so creative there's a version of Shake and Bake where I think it's better than the the one that I wrote 
So yeah, it's it's uh, really good. I would good. say Blue Fire. Yeah. Blue Fire, that's yeah. good. They're, they're, all, they're all really good and we've still got more on the way in. So, yeah, so do go to patreon.com slash bugeye and you will find us there. And so come and join us for some behind-the-scenes content and ridiculous photos and exclusive merch and all of that stuff. All other kind of goodies. Yeah. So I think, I think that's it for this week. Yeah, just left to say thank you so much to Charlie for coming on. Yes, thank you. And thank you to everyone who's who's listening. We've been having record numbers every single week and it's uh yep. yeah, it's just it's just building and building. So thank you to everyone that's subscribing, sharing and listening and and all of that and contributing as well. We've had a lot of new music coming through. So wait for that. Wait for that. We'll you have to wait till next week for more new music. But um oh, no, actually, we do have one last track to play. It's by a band called Benefits and their new single's called Traitor. And I think they were saying something on Twitter about how they didn't think this would maybe get on any radio stations. I think it'd be pretty impossible to do a a clean edit of this one. It's hard hitting, it's in your face, it's got guts and there's no holding back to to say the least with this one. Um, I saw a few tweets out there giving this song a salute from the likes of Tom Robinson and Reverend and the Makers. Uh, Also check out the video because it's absolutely awesome. It's a real political statement, and I think it's 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 pretty much a work of art in its in its own right. So if you like political songs and are feeling the rage, then this song is definitely for you. So thanks for listening. This next song is by Benefits. It's called Traitors Over and Out. I'm surrounded by red, white, and blue. But I stand out. And I'm the treacherous one. I'm the shit. Just for wanting people not to get hurt, not to get ridiculed, not to get spat at in the street, or pissed on in alleyways because they've got nowhere else to sleep. But okay, 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 yeah, yeah, I'm the disgrace. I'm the shit. The national fucking danger. I'm a public menace. The snowflake. Idiotic rhetoric pumping into our brains. Boost up, dumb down, clown town. You pander to a non-existent past. Presumed arrogance, sausage class. Sausage class. Stiffen back the rigid frame of the victorious fascist. A newfound spring in your goose step. A newfound spring in your goose step. A newfound spring in your goose step. Yeah, I'm the scum, the unpatriotic one. Faithless, feckless, all bark, no bite. A deserter from my own fucking birthright. I'm the betrayer, I'm the shite. I'm bringing this country down, this northern clown. And I get it, I get it, I really fucking do. I lost, get over it, I lost, get over it. Rub my face into the fucking mud. Pass it on billboards going up to the sky. You lost, ha ha, fucking ha. Britannia playing on the radio 24 hours a day Union flags hung in every street Spitfires fly past Homeless pile up No one gives a fuck No one gives a fuck We get the future you deserve 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 Traitors Fuck your dreams! The new normal doesn't need entertainment! It needs only work! Fuck-
work, retrain, stop learning, get a fucking job, making fucking facts. Shut up now, shut up now, shut up. We get the future you deserve. We get the future you deserve. We get the future you deserve. Yeah! 